We're live. Hey, everyone. How are we doing tonight? Hopefully. Mike's going to go over a few. Uh, what's that? Hopefully everyone's well tonight. I got some goodies for us. I, the mailman showed up today, and our waterproof, weatherproof notebook showed up. So I've got oh, wow. some of these for you as well, but you can literally write on these in the middle of a rainstorm, and it won't ruin the paper. So, oh, cool. Yep, Andy. Awesome. And then my uh, new camping hammock showed up too, my hammock tent. So I'm excited with the mosquito net and the rain fly. So, yeah, awesome. Now you've got a bunch of notes, as I understand, like pages upon pages of notes. Yeah, I do. Regular encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I can't keep it out of my mind, so I got to write it down. I'm still but, picking thorns out of me. Well, that's that separates the boys from the men, so I didn't get yeah. any today. <laughs> oh, I got covered. And for some reason, ticks. I'd have never thought of catching a couple ticks in February, but I did. No, no. Yep, there that warm weather brought them out. Yep. But, yeah, I wanted to cover a little bit on some dog men tonight and a little bit on Bigfoot. So do a little information that somebody might uh take into their library and the brain and use. I know I actually learned some things here. So, but I got a dogman report going back in Michigan in 1887. Okay. What it was, it's two loggers out in some by the upper peninsula of Michigan. And what they described seeing was a seven foot tall creature with a man's body, but the head of a dog like figure. Huh. Uh, that was in 1887. Then we got one in 1972 in Defiance, which supposedly attacked three people. And a week, week later, after that initial attack, there was another attack uh, that was reported. This was all in Defiance, Ohio, 1972. Then we got one in Central Ohio in Defiance August of 2008. Who is? I was trying to think of where uh, Defiance was from where I am. I, I just, it clicked. I know where it's at now. Yeah, for us. That'd be south, east of Toledo. Yeah. Then we got one in August of 2005 in Central Ohio. While driving his truck, his headlights came across a large creature eating a deer. He said it looked like something out of a Van Helsing movie. Oh, so, geez. Yeah, so, you know, and I've got some little figurines here. 
Well, I'll get into them later, but here's one here. We're going to go over what a bear looks like. Oh, okay. A buffalo looks like. And what a mountain lion or a black panther looks like. I mean, if you see these things and you know you go to the zoo, they don't have to put a sign up. This is an elephant. Right. The next part of the zoo, there's a giraffe. I mean, if you see a bear in the woods, that's it's a mile off, you're going to know it's a bear in the woods. I mean, it's just. Yeah. When somebody's driving something that looks like out of a bad housing movie, you know, that's pretty a big difference between that and what a bear looks like so well that the true is the same as true with um big <laughs> jesus christ dog the same is true with bigfoot and like if you look at reports from the 1700s, 1800s, it was always a wild man, a hairy man. Um, you get into a modern report, and it's like, well, it was reminiscent of this thing that was in this movie, and it gives you a lot more descriptive. Uh, I guess we have a, a, a better library of descriptive text these days compared to people in the 1700s 18 because i mean to a little kid it would look like a a monster or a hairy man or a wild man and that's where those terms all came from yeah exactly back in the 1800s or what zoos all over the across the country where you could go in and see a gorilla or orangutan and say yeah hey, that's a lot, you know a lot like what i saw but yeah yeah but 1800s yeah yeah so a lot i just cannot see how somebody can say they've seen a bigfoot or a dogman creature and they get it mixed up with something yeah like, exactly like this, like this. I mean, yeah. that's a bear every day of the week. Right. I'm just not understanding that. Then we go into one thing on my research with black bears. And I found out, I sort of asked myself this question because a lot of the, the one sighting I had in 2000. Uh, 22, the one that was run on all fours was, do black bears have a smell to them? My research that I did that most bears don't have any smell to them. There is some exceptions, and that would be May and June, the mating season. There's a musty smell on the back of its neck. Uh, Or they can roll, sometimes roll in something smelly, like a dead animal or but for the most part, black bears don't have any smell. I mean, there is exception to that to that rule. Uh, it actually goes but, with their flavor, too. If you grill and eat a black bear that's been eating salmon, your grill, when you're cooking it, is going to smell like you're cooking fish. And then 
it's going to have a fishy like taste to it also whereas oh, if you yeah. get what they call a blueberry black bear the the meat is actually purple on the inside it's been dyed all the way through with blueberries it has a much sweeter taste it has a much pleasant flavor compared to the one that would smell and taste like rotting salmon i mean that that's a, a big issue in alaska um Tara Stephanie asked, sorry if I missed this. I was telling my dad about Dogman. Do you think some of the abductions may be Dogman and not Bigfoot? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Very well could be. Uh, according to a couple of reports I took in the last month, uh, you know, they was acting pretty aggressive you know it didn't attack the people but it it could have i guess so dogman uh, is just generally more aggressive in reports anyways i mean it's like they're the assholes of the woods yeah. like bigfoot's yeah. your cool chill okay you see me i'm going to walk away where a dog man's like not today i'm going to kill you and it, it, it's weird it, it really is yeah yeah and a lot of it, the dogmen stem from some very knowledgeable people in this research area is that there's a curse on the land from the shaman of some of the indian tribes or the medicine men okay or or it could go to where the when the chief passes away he signifies to a warrior which one's going to take care of his burial ground and when that chief passes away that uh warrior takes care of the because the chief's buried separate from the rest of the tribe right and so he puts a, a caretaker but once that warrior would pass away so many years you know who's taking taking care of it then you know it's so there could be a curse from uh on the land or from the, like the caretaker of the burial grounds uh maybe he's at a point where he's getting booted by the white men off of their homelands and then he puts a curse on the and that way i'm i'm not too for sure but it seems like most dogman reports are affiliated with the indians and indian burial grounds and cemetery that seems like where most of it comes from that so is there sense. a connection yeah well, and me yeah. Okay, you saying that makes me think of something halfway around the world, which I don't think Native Americans would have spoke to these people and had this line of information. But if you look at a lot of the ancient pyramids, the protectors mm. of the pyramids were a stone body that was the body of a man but it had the head of a dog and i can't it wasn't a sphinx because a sphinx is a, a lion's head but this was like i can't remember the name of it but it was a, a a dog head on a human body and generally it was holding a spear or something 
but that was the protector of to keep evil spirits away from the pharaohs that were buried, yada yada yada. Um, it, it's just interesting that Native American culture, dog man burial ground protection, Egyptian culture, a human with a dog, Anubis. Yes, thank you. Um, you know, um, yes, Nikki. I couldn't see the name. It, it was hiding it from me. Um, but yeah, dog protecting a pharaoh, a dog protecting a Native American tomb. That's just a little universal um, coincidental, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, 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 that seemed to tie in together. Uh, I mean, you got to go out there, you got to get past a flesh and blood animal, which is tough for me to do, but I guess I'm still on the fence about Dogman until I see one or see really good track line that, uh, you know, but, you know, there can't be thousands of people seeing this or even hundreds and all it takes is one of them to be, you know, a credible witness. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, and black bears on average, the males run about 300 pounds. I mean, there's a lot bigger, but on average, 300 females, 175 pounds. So in Ohio's reported to have currently 50 to 100 in the state of Ohio. Uh, by the DNR's estimates and Pennsylvania's 20,000 and West Virginia's 12 to 14,000. So we're surrounded on the border there with uh, We'll have them eventually. Yeah. We probably won't have a hunting season in our time, unfortunately, but our grandkids might. Uh, David Wickham, he just said, the only report I ever took for Dogman was with Dog Waller in Perry County. Witness noticed, noted a native burial mound nearby. So there you go. That's seems like them two are hand in hand with the... Uh, the it does. Mound. Yeah. You don't so, need up on me, dog. I'm getting attacked by a dog man right now. Yeah. yeah. And you got to wonder, too, Mike, when you go to some of these parts of the woods and they're supposed to be like a, a, a place where Indians, you know, they've been the one particular skeleton, what, four or five years ago, that seven year old skeleton? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right there around yeah. 715. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of Indians back in there, and there's some supposed, uh, you know, burial grounds. But you think if they was guarding, my question in my head is, if these dogmen were guarding the, the cemeteries, the, you know, the Indian burial grounds, why ain't they run people there off all the time? Why is it that you might hear about something once every couple of years? Is are they the intent of the people? Or people going in there disturbing the burial grounds, or going in there to maybe what they would consider stealing, like arrowheads or 
Lent. Uh, I mean, what would provoke a dogman in my mind? Because you got deer hunters all through the woods, you know, in some of these places. Yeah. And they never had something happen, but somebody goes in there a certain time and they said, well, we, we had a possible dogman encounter. You know, we've had grouse and eyes up seven foot, you know, and howls. And it was really scary. But why does it just happen to certain people is my question. When a bunch of people go to the same woods and never experience anything. If they're protecting the Indian burial grounds, you know, they're you can't protect something ten miles away. You'd have to be right there in the area. So yeah, it would it would have to be a proximity thing. Um, yeah, possibly. Um, I see. It's hard because for me, I have to look at everything, flesh and blood, but yeah, maybe yeah. It, it would have to know if you. Or sense or feel a percentage of Native American blood or Neanderthal or East African or uh, West African or um, yeah yeah I I don't is it someone who is foraging and gathering so it looks like they're pillaring uh, pillaging and robbing um, the. There's a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, a lot of questions. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what that's what I don't understand. Why people are one in a million might go in this by this burial ground and have an experience, a possible dogman experience, but the other nine hundred ninety-nine thousand, you know, nothing happened to them. Just another day in the woods. Uh, See, Especially what, since they're guarding the burial grounds. You know, they're not 10 miles away. They're there in that area to do their, what the chief wanted them to do or the curse on the land. You know, so I have a hard time with that. Uh, you know, Bigfoot's, I understand. They got a flesh and blood creature. They got to forage just like any other animal. When they eat up the supplies in one woods, they got to go to a sort of like, you know, like deer or turkey do. They got yeah. some range. But, yeah, actually, Nikki just said that. She said that I'm very surprised that there aren't more dogman reports in her area, given the fact that most of the buildings here are built on native land. So there's got to be a burial. If it's native land, there's got to be a burial place someplace around there. So why isn't there a more common occurrence of sightings in that area compared to UP, Michigan or... Dogman's uh, a, a weird but interesting phenomena. Yeah, yeah, it is. And a lot of times it, it's in the same area where Bigfoot report sightings or occurrences happening. And that's probably yeah. just a coincidence that they're in the same area. You know, if a, if you go, if a black bear goes into a grizzly bear's territory, you know, he might sneak in there, but as soon as he gets wind of that grizzly bear, he's leaving. <laughs> yeah. He's getting out of there. Well, I always had a scenario. Yeah, there's a scenario I used to run through with people all the time that um, if I was sitting at a cemetery and 
a ghost walked from my left to my right. Shortly after that, over in the woods came a Bigfoot out of the tree line, seen me, turned around, goes back into the woods. A few minutes later, there's a strange light that goes across the sky, and uh, it stops and zigzags, and then it flies off. Those are three separate events. They're not all three related. You just seen three separate events at once, but I think there's something in our minds that tries to tie everything in a neat little bow ribbon, you know, package, nice and neat. Um, yeah, yeah. David yeah, that, said, that happens. "Oh, you're good. Go ahead. I'll I'll put it up yeah, there. That there happens you go. With, with, uh, that happens with deer hunters." You know, they're yeah. having in my, their mind the big bucks coming and they're getting their bow already and here will be a fox squirrel coming in behind them. But in their mind, you know, hey, I hear the rustling in the leaves. I, I, out of my peripheral vision, I see something coming, you know, and it you sounds get like... That, yeah. Yeah, you get in that mindset. Yeah. 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 Another thorn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the price you pay for hiking with David. That thing is embedded in my shoulder somehow. I'll have to dig that one out later. Yeah. Yeah, Anubis, the guardians of the ancient rulers of Egypt. That's what they were called, the guardians of the ancient oh, okay. rulers. But they have a dog head, and then Native American yeah. tribe, dog man... I just think that's awfully damn coincidental. Is. Yeah, 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 it is. And uh, and we know some credible people, me and you both know, that have gave really good accounts of what they've seen up close and personal of a dogman. Yeah. Uh, several names come to mind that got a real clear, close view of one, of one and what they described wasn't a bear wasn't a bigfoot. No. It was a white creature on, on two legs at times. So it's uh, there's something to that, for sure. The only thing I can pick up on is maybe when you're going into the woods and you're, you know how you can feel good and bad vibes off people. You know, yep. you can just stand by somebody and you just feel, hey, this guy ain't very good. This one is good. You know. And usually nine times out of ten, your gut feeling's right. So maybe yes. there's a vibe that a, a man or a woman would give off when they're entering into the dogman territory or Indian burial ground, whether it's a negative energy or a positive energy or something, you know, that's, hey, hey I'm the dogman. I'm going to call you out because you've got a negative energy. You know, I don't want you on this land. You know, know that could be too yeah it could yeah, be it's... that they're feeling an energy something like yeah. that's true I never even thought about that yeah it's sort of like when you're at the red light and you feel somebody's looking at you and watching you and you look over and they are it's just a sixth sense I guess it's uh well just the other day I was up in my top field you know deer season's over 
I drive the ATV up there, me and the wife, get out. It's fours away, just standing there eating, watching us. And like we wasn't even there. Got out, got out of the ATV, uh, the all-terrain vehicle, and started walking. It just took a few steps and casually went down in the woods. But a month ago, it was a flu, you know, 60 mile an hour. So right. it must be a vibe or something. Maybe, you know, I don't know. But, yeah. Another thing I wanted to cover, Mike, was uh, Bigfoot sounds or, or possible Bigfoot sounds. And. And it come to my mind, I was okay. thinking about it. Why does a why does a Bigfoot howl? And I had to look into since me and you're into flesh and blood animals, I had to look <coughs> into that. What other animals use howls? And one of them that come up was monkeys. Yeah. And it was very interesting if you hear a howl, and from what I gathered, it's they do this to convey their position in the woods. So if you see a howl or hear a howl, it's to convey to convey to the other monkeys, and this is all proven. The study that they did on the orangutans or certain type of monkeys that they make do a howling noise to convey the position in the woods, their position. Uh, communication within a troop. Territorial defense or deterrent for predators. So if you stream that into Bigfoot, when you hear a, a howl, yeah. it says communication with them. Maybe they're not, you know, they're not talking. I don't believe they're talking to us at all when, you know, we hear a howl. It's not for our, wouldn't be for our benefit. Because you know other wild animals, they never do anything for our benefit. It's always to another animal. You know, they're usually of the same kind. Uh, just like you hear a squirrel barking. That ain't for us. That squirrel knows that we're not listening. He don't care whether we hear it or not. He's barking right. to one the other squirrel. So, but I found that interesting to convey the position, their, their position in the woods. The study that they did on monkeys, uh, so, somebody hears a howl, then you got to think there's another Bigfoot around because they're not doing it in my mind for my purpose. Why would they right. howl to me for? You know, so there's got to be another Bigfoot around for, the, for that purpose. What's your yeah. thoughts on that? Well, I would. I'm a hundred percent on board with that because. Uh, for instance, like, let's say I was going to text my wife. Um, okay. Hey, let's have a date night. Meet me at the restaurant. She's, there's 87 restaurants in Mount Vernon. There's okay. restaurants in Manfield. Yeah. I would have to say, okay, so let's say I said meet me at the Mexican restaurant. Well, in Mount Vernon, that gives you three choices. So she's still going to guess which one, whereas if I said, hey, meet me at Fiesta Mexicana, 7 o'clock, she's going to know exactly where to go to meet me at to have dinner after work. So, yeah, that I don't think those howls are for us. 
Um, I think that either A, there is another one in the area and they're calling out to it, or B, there may not be another one in the area, but the one calling doesn't know that. So just in case, kind of like whales, you know, if there is one in yeah. earshot, hey, this is this is my territory. This is where I am. Um, now, whether that's a warning as to, A, this is my territory, this is my nightly phone call to you guys, that this is my woods. Mm -hmm. If you're hearing this, keep walking until you don't hear me no more. Or why don't we get together for a block party? I, you know, I mean, yeah. So <laughs> it, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and, and the study with these monkeys, they said it was communication within a troop when they do the house. So that is, so when you're out in the woods and you're hearing a howl, you might not just be with one Bigfoot, what it sounds like. There's a chance you could be, but more than likely, it's they're communication, communicating with a, you know, a couple Bigfoots around. Uh, there's several, mm -hmm. there several times yeah, that you and I have been in the woods together, and we hear a knock over here, and then we hear a knock over here, but we know that whatever knocked over here didn't run over there that quickly no, no. to make that other knock. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, a knock replaced, a knock is a close territory howl to me. Okay. And then yeah, a howl is your, your whoop is your uh, semi-long distance. We're in the same store. Your howl is, I'm at yeah. this end of the mall at Radio Shack. Maybe you're down here at KB Toy Store, but that's my text message. You, know, That's my howl. Yeah. A whoop is, okay, we're, I'm in sporting goods at Walmart. You're over in grocery. And then a wood knock is like, hey, I'm in the next aisle. And yeah, that that's kind yeah, of how my... Yeah, I agree with that. that. Then we got the Bigfoot screams, which that can more than likely be for us. And with the monkeys, yes. if they scream, they scream for dominance in their group and territory. That so makes sense. If we, so if we're in their territory, they could be doing a scream to say, this is my territory. You know, I'm getting ready to go in here and have lunch and snack on some cactus and it's midnight you should be home in bed and you're in my territory and and that's what the monkeys do to other monkeys and they don't know how to talk to us a bigfoot they can't yeah. say hey shane might go home we're in our area so what other form of communication could a bigfoot do scream or a growl at you <laughs> so. yeah yeah really i mean they same thing with my dog. She can whine and whimper. She doesn't bark at me when she has to go pee. She whimpers. So when I hear a whimper, I know she's got to go pee. When she barks, I know there's something she's hearing that has triggered yeah. her. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, you know, most animals 
predator or non-predator not going to try to communicate with us at all they'll try to get out of there quiet you know turn tail but until you have a dominant predator like a, a lion a tiger or bigfoot you know that they say hey i'm right. bigger than you and i don't want you here and i believe that the that one growl that we heard that night uh with that bang on that gate was like hey you guys are in my area i'm a lot bigger than you you can't see me, but I can see you, and uh, you need to get yeah. out of here. So. Yeah, m monkeys also, because I, I don't know if this would transfer to a Bigfoot or not, because actually no one does. We don't know enough about them. No. But no, no. monkeys are very, uh, I guess, promiscuous in a way that they don't mate for life. Okay, well, that female monkey will mate with every single male around her. Mm -hmm. And the idea that scientists put out behind it is by doing that, when that baby is born, like a male won't kill the baby to bring her back back in the heat instead oh, they yeah. all think they're the dad and so they all group protect that baby so oh, that that baby doesn't have one daddy watching its back it has 37 daddies ready to open up a can of whoop ass if anything tries to open that or hurt that baby at once so it, it at least that's how I know the primate world is. The monkey world is yeah. that that female will she'll. It, there's no hierarchy in the mating. She's the hierarchy, and she just mates with whoever she wants, pretty much. So, yeah, yeah makes makes sense. Uh, another one is, and I didn't know this, but there is a thing. It's called monkey chatter. Monkeys actually do talk to each other in their own language. And okay. what I've been what I've been gathering, studying on it is it sounds like a human speech so that, you know, we can't understand it. But apparently the other monkeys, when they're talking, can understand that, you know, maybe not in the complex language that we have, but enough that, hey, you know, this monkey's talking to this and he said over this way or go pick this up or get out of my face or whatever but he said they yeah. do have a, a monkey call that they can the monkeys can understand each other so i know one night we was in the woods and we heard that monkey chatter it went on for like 10 seconds or so but then i had to relate my brain that they weren't talking to me they had no, nothing to do with me at all i just happened to they ran into me or something at like one o'clock in the morning. Right. And they're fighting together and they started, they didn't have to whoop. They didn't have to scream because it was right there together. And that's where I started hearing that, that what I call a monkey chatter. Uh, just sound like a foreign language, a human speaking. Uh, but it wasn't, they weren't doing it for my benefit at all. Right. Yeah. So another one was, Monkeys actually do wood knocks. I didn't yes. know that. I was, yeah, I was. And they do it when they're frustrated, annoyed, or to display dominance. 
Okay. And, and to me, that sounds a lot like what would a Bigfoot would do. He's maybe like that time my daughter was uh, here turkey hunting during bow season, and she said she heard a bunch screaming roars in different parts of the woods, then it was followed by five or six, seven wood knocks. Well, they was frustrated because she was there, annoyed, and they displayed their dominance by saying, hey, I'm banging here, 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 and here. We're all going to bang and get you out of the woods. And, and believe me, it worked for her. She got out. But, <laughs> yeah, and <coughs> And monkeys will actually throw objects. And it's for the same reasons of being frustrated, annoyed, or display dominance. Okay. So, you know, you get rocks through at you, you can pretty much say, a, you know, is a Bigfoot frustrated with me, annoyed, or he's just trying to get me out of the area. Why else would he throw a rock? Why would I throw rocks with a neighbor kid when I was growing up? Because I was annoyed at him or frustrated or wanted to show my dominance. Hey, I can pick up a bigger rock and throw it further than you can, you know? Right. So, so that would be uh, maybe a reason that, you know, a Bigfoot would would throw a rock at you. So, well, you had that happen to you at Salt Fork. Mm -hmm. I, I know you probably don't know the gentleman's name. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about now. You know what I'm talking about now. Yeah, yeah. Tell them story, man. Not everybody's heard that, but it's one in a million. <laughs> oh. Okay, so I was at Salt Fork, and it was the 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 Bigfoot weekend, the conference weekend. And I didn't go to the conference, but I went to common areas like Hossack's Cave, up to the picnic areas, and I would meet up with different people, talk to them. So I, we get to the group camp. It's nighttime. It, it, it's getting dark. It's dusk. And I'm the only car in the parking lot. There's nobody else there. And I just pick up a rock, and I throw it into the woods, because I heard this movement, but it, I don't know what didn't hear. There's no one around, and I throw this rock, and all, next thing I know, I hear "son of a bitch," and I'm like, "Oh no!" I just beamed this guy right in the head with a rock. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one in a million shot. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I rock. Oh goodness, so oh. Uh, yeah, one in, one in a million. So and, and I looked up whoops. You know that one night we we heard it was in August uh, that beautiful whoop that we had heard, uh, and I tried to look up every animal on the continent that would make a sound like that, and I ain't came up with nothing. I mean, everything native to Ohio, there's nothing that can make that clear, distinct whoop sound. Uh, but another thing on the <clears throat> the wood docks. I just, me personally, I have, and I've said this numerous times, 
I have the hardest time believing that a Bigfoot is carrying around a log that's at the ready. Stiff, at the ready. And gonna do some wood knocks right then and there because I have looked and looked and I don't do wood knocks too often. It's a last resort thing. Nothing's happening. Hey, I'll try this. But sometimes you gotta walk around for 10 minutes just to find something halfway solid to bang on a tree. Uh, yes. I David Wickham can do the best perfect mouth pop. He does gets his air in between his hands and does the perfect Oh, okay. Or something. It sounds just like a wood knock. If I was 100 yards off, I'd say hey, that was a wood knock. Uh, I mean, is a Bigfoot slapping his chest, you know? Is it popping its mouth? Or To me, I just cannot. Because if, if you find a limb on the ground or a branch, it's dead. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. rotting. You know? You're not going to find something that's you know solid enough to make a thundering wood knock and right. another, another thing i found mike i've been out in the woods in the spring thaw and that ice gets in them cracks of them trees them hollow parts and man that tree all of a sudden just snap you know not break but it'll make that pop snap oh that yeah i mean it is sounds like a gun gone off and i've been you know five feet away when it's happened make you jump out of your shoes so yeah it will yeah so a lot of the wood knocks could be misidentification is that uh nuts falling you know if you're in a big ravine that's got a good echo you know walnut falls a 50 feet on the walnut uh, on the rock or something or the another limb can make a loud sound that would maybe sound like a, a bigfoot wood knock uh Tree falls, people talk about tree falls. I've been out in the woods so many times on a calm day, no wind, no rain, just all of a sudden a tree fall over, a branch come falling out. I've seen right. numerous times hawks flying, land on a limb, and the limb bust, and the limb come crashing down. Squirrels jumping on limbs, and they bust. Uh, so a lot of things that you know, somebody's claiming they, they, hey, I heard a wood knock. Well, that's very possible. It could have been, but what's going on to me, a wood knock is what's go that's adding to the evidence I'm going to get or I already got. You know, if I hear a wood knock, then I want to be able to uh, maybe see eye shine in that area or uh, smell that musty, sulfur smell, something to go along with the wood knock. Sort of like a tree structure. You know? Yeah. You want some evidence that, hey, there were some tracks, there's some chestnut trees in this area that they're marking, or is a marker of buckeye trees, which some buck, there's like seven different buckeye species, and not all of them are poisonous. Uh, to, so to me, you know, one thing leads to another, you know, as far as uh, wood knocks, but. Because if you don't see what's doing it, you don't really know what it is. You know, it's just to me. But another thing, Mike, was tree arches. What do you think on tree arches or bends? <clears throat> I 
have wrestled with that for over a decade. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot that can be just explained, but I've also seen quite a few that can't be explained. Um, mm -hmm. Like there was, I seen one that was bit over one time, and this is middle of nowhere. It was like a, a young ash tree was bent over and put through the fork of a, a maple or a hickory, but it was held in by a pine branch. And it's like, where'd the pine come from? Because there's yeah. no, not a pine tree. So I, I've seen those and I can't help but think, yes. But then I've seen some that it's like, well, possible wind damage, storm damage. But I think the ones that are legit for me would be some type of, like, for us, the no vehicle beyond this point sign. I think it's just a, a, a street sign, a territory marker of some type. Um, yeah. This is my fence row. Because usually when you do find that one that is considered legit, generally speaking, if you go and uh, you start in a 10-yard circle, work your way out to 20, work out to 30, you'll find another one. And I normally find them in threes. So there's one, and then you go out in a circle, and there's another one, and then you go out in a circle from that one, and there's another one. And sometimes there might be a fourth or fifth or sixth. Like you can almost follow a row of them. But, or a zigzag line of them, rather. But then there's some... I've never found just one. Generally, if it is what I consider a legit one, like my magic numbers, I usually find them in threes. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's very interesting. I know I'm probably going to get a lot of disagreement on this, this one here, cause, but I've hit, heard it for years that if you see an X in the woods, stay out. I'm totally 100% against that, Barry, for, for the thought that Bigfoot is not talking to us. He, he's not putting an X in the woods saying humans stay out, deer stay out. He's putting it for the spe his same species, you know, like as a territorial thing. It would make no sense that Bigfoot would use come up to you and you do sign language and you would understand it. Right. We don't understand what an X means, but Bigfoot does. Yes. So if I see an X in the woods that I think, well, maybe it's it's not Mother Nature. This looks placed. I don't see the stump where the X is. These look placed up here. But that's not a warning to me to stay out of the woods. That's a warning, in my opinion, for, hey, this is my territory. Just sort of like other grizzly bears, they'll mark the trees. You know, hey, I'm a big grizzly bear. I got it marked up in feet. They're not doing that for our purpose. They're doing that right. for the other bears. So if I see an X, I don't think, hey, Bigfoot put this up for me to stay out of. No, he's talking. He's not talking to me. Why would he? You know, he's talking to the other Bigfoots. Uh, that's right. my opinion. Because animals don't talk to us unless you got a parakeet. So, and he, <laughs> he's, not, <laughs> he's not having a conversation. He don't know what he's saying. He's just repeating what you said. So, yeah. Uh, 
down. So, and if you look on other animals, you know, all through the animal kingdom, territorial markers, uh, they use urine as markers, uh, scratch marks, uh, the list goes on. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not one percent for our recognition of that. It's for the other animals. Uh, same I way when we put, same no, way when ahead. we put those trespassing signs around our property. It's not for the animals. It's right. for or other humans, you know. So I will say the most impressive animal with that for me is a southern swamp rabbit they will go out to the, like a, a raccoon will use a latrine log and you'll see like if you've ever seen a log with a bunch of crap on it yeah, that's where yeah. that their den is right there they come out of their den they use the bathroom they go on about their night but they do it on that log and that's what marks the territory the scent but a swamp rabbit, I kid you not, will build up a three pot, a three foot pile of rabbit crap, and <laughs> they'll build it up like a pyramid, and he'll sit on top of it like king of the hill. And oh, wow. a bunny rabbit, that's impressive to build up a three foot pile of crap. Um, up oh, here you go. This one says, Shane, what do you think about rocks being stacked as markers, Bigfoot or humans? That, that's a good question. I actually got that on my notes, and oh, okay. uh, I was asking the same thing. I was asking the same thing because we had, well, you had found uh, a couple weeks ago a possible rock, rock stacking. Uh, yes. I don't have no clue what the purpose would be, whether than to bust nuts or you have any ideas? I'm just clueless on that. Well, I found some that seems like, yeah, they would hold up an F-350 for you to change the tire. But then I like that one I found the other day, it fell apart as I was investigating it. So, but... I mean, if I have nothing to do, if my whole day existed with just sitting in the woods, now, if I am happen to be sitting on a hillside, I'm catching the sunshine, it's a chilly morning, I'm warming up, and just out of pure boredom, there's a bunch of rocks, and I just see how big of a stack I can make. Now, on one hand, that is a marker of my existence of being there. But are they made purposely? Are they made that it's just sitting on a hillside warming up? There happens to be, is it their Bigfoot Jenga? Is it their version of playing just something to do because you know i've sat there and i've snapped a twig and snapped it and i've started with a really long twig and snapped it down to where just by snapping the tips sitting there looking at birds listening to chipmunks waiting for a deer snapping a twig snapping a twig snapping the, i pulled pine cones apart like an ear of corn just sitting there out of pure boredom so yeah 
<coughs> but if someone else came along and seen that, they would be like, hey, this is a marker. Someone was here. Look, someone yeah. busted this stick up and put it in a pile of miniature Lincoln <laughs> logs. Someone peeled yeah. apart this pine cone. Someone stacked up these rocks. But then again, maybe uh, tree structures are the outer range. And maybe if you find rock pilings, maybe that's, okay, this is my front yard. The, the the tree arch is my back 40. That's my pasture field. Mm. Now you're approaching my yard. Now we have a problem. So uh, who knows? It, it could be an infinite yeah. number of things. Yeah, de definitely. Uh, another one was, you know, we, find, we found a real good one, me and you and David, this winter. At Woodbury, a teepee structure, which, uh, L, well, we had limbs like this, eight or ten feet high. That was there on, well, I don't want to say the name of the road, but you, if you remember, it was me and you, David, went this winter. And that was, a, what, probably eight or ten foot high. And I think me and you had ruled out, as both of us being longtime deer hunters, we ruled that spot out for a human making a TP structure there because we didn't have no shot. I mean, it was briars and brambles and no what we call shot shot lanes or shot. Bags. Yeah, there was no and, shooting lane there whatsoever. So no, and that one was on pretty much top of that ridge there. Uh, mm -hmm. Seemingly, seemingly most teepee structures that I've ever found that I'm convinced, and this is how I can sort of separate natural from a possible Bigfoot. If I can find in that teepee structure, say uh, a red oak, that I know there's still got enough bark left, I can say, hey, this is a red oak limb. And I stand at that teepee structure and within 50 feet, there's not one red oak. My mind goes to how did this red oak branch get stuck in this teepee structure and uh, just didn't fall down out of the tree says there's no red oaks within 50 feet of this tree no because a and human is going to build it right there with what's right there they're going to grab exactly. whatever limbs are on the ground and if they have to cut a couple they're going to grab their handsaw or their hatchet or peel and snap but the they're going to grab, they're not going to walk a quarter of a mile to find a specific type of branch to bring back to it. They're going to grab whatever's right there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, as, and as deer hunters, we're going to have shooting lanes. We're not going to be at this spot where it's just a drop off 20 feet away. And on the right and left is nothing but briars. And behind us was briar. So yeah, yeah it's something that, uh, we ruled out sort of that it was man, anything to do with man. And it, and we looked at the tree above it where this teepee structure was going to get this big tree and the branches didn't come from that, that tree above us. We look, remember we had looked and the branch, nothing came that from that tree and made the teepee structure. So me and David one time, he'll, if he's listening, he'll remember this probably five years ago, David. Me and David went up to the top of a ridge and we started finding miniature teepee structures. 
two to three feet high and some of them had 40 up to 40 branches around them there was like six or seven of them all within a i can't remember maybe 50 75 yard circle and we, we was trying to build our minds up and we come up you know what why would a bigfoot do this and it hit us that you know is a mother bear teaches her cub to do something you know or a mama coon teaches her babies to do you know search for grubs and you can work with your hands that the juniors you know the junior the baby squatches maybe the mother was this was a nursing area into which the bigfoots was teaching the little juvenile bigfoots to build teepee structures has no other purpose because there there was only two or three feet high and me and david had walked all through that woods in just this one particular spot in the middle of nowhere was these teepee structures so that's the only thing we could come up with that this is a possible nursery spot where you know they're a mile back in we're up a big hill you know woods all around it's real remote perfect hangout yeah um it, what i call a bigfoot daycare because yeah, it's like yeah. hey mom i'm bored we'll go stack some sticks together go make a teepee or you know or yeah. uh, a little one is with a, a mom or an adult bigfoot maybe even an older juvenile they make a tree structure the family's all sitting on a hillside warming themselves on the sun little bits bored so it grabs a stick and it just out of memory starts making that little mm -hmm. tiny structure and maybe that one wasn't good enough so it goes over here and it makes another one and it goes over it's what yeah. i call the bigfoot daycare <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and that and that makes sense because the babies you know if there's adult bigfoots there's got to be babies they got to learn yes. somehow and their parents got to teach them you know this is how you build a a marker maybe the teepees uses a marker this is how you do a tree arch or tree bend rock stash yes. maybe the one that you found that where the rocks weren't real big and brittle maybe that was you know uh Three or four or five year old yeah. squatch. You know, say, hey, I see mom and dad doing this with these 200 pound rocks. Yeah. I can't lift them, so I'll do it this way. So they got to mimic their parents, in other words. That's the only way they would learn is they'd have to mimic them. Same thing we did when we was growing up. So Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Which sometimes got me in trouble. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, crazy, but yeah, where well, there's Bigfoot, uh, adult Bigfoots, there's got to be little ones, so. This is and true. They, they've got to learn that stuff. Uh, another thing I was thinking about the other day, what do we do as hunters or photographers? Not everybody, not everybody's a hunter. A lot of people are into photography, you know, or just hiking, taking nature pictures pictures but what can we do to draw animals to you one of them we know is is bait yeah we do that with hunters do that with corn apples for the deer uh, salt salt blocks uh, trappers do it you know with their the traps 
uh, pheromones. A lot of trappers use pheromones. Actually, deer hunters use pheromones, doe and heat. So, uh, you know, as Bigfoot researchers, we're hunting a flesh and blood animal, not hunting to kill, but, you know, to basically get evidence or a picture of. It works for the hunting and the hunters trappers by using bait. Yeah. And pheromones. And scents. What, what do animals mostly go by when they're predator or not or non-predator is smells. Smells of the woods of scents. This is true. So that to your Bigfoot research, as far as the pheromones, the uh, bait traps, I know a lot of people are against leaving any food in the woods or uh, this or that, but hunters and trappers do it all the time with great, great success. A trapper ain't going to catch anything unless he's got bait or there's a, a yeah. pathway, a pathway like a beaver has, you know, the trackway that they got to go through. So we don't know the, you know, the trackways of a Bigfoot, but we know some food, some foods that they like, or you know, people claim to see them picking berries and apple orchards, uh, you know, salmon runs. So we can have an idea what to eat. I think Doug Wall had a report of uh, a Bigfoot coming up to the people's back porch and stealing their dog food. Mm -hmm. So. Dumpsters. Well, dumpsters are big for me. Um, I mean, black bears, everything. Trash pandas, that's how they get their name. Um, as a raccoon being a trash panda, that's where that name came from. Now, some states make it illegal to bait because they think that you're using food as an advantage to harvest an animal. But from a scientific standpoint, that's probably the number one tactic used is let's go dump a big corn pile in the woods, surround it with cameras, and see what, from a wildlife scientific standpoint, that's the number one tactic used is food. So yeah. it, it just makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and... We we did it quite a bit last year, and we've had really good results. Yes, really and we didn't. Results. When we did it, we didn't do it like right where we were. We went a couple hundred yards away, yeah. made the bait trap. So we weren't actively within even the the general area of the bait. We were <laughs> drew back away from it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And we had used pheromones one night, and I won't get into de detail what type of pheromones <laughs> it was. That's our uh, secret, but our uh, secret recipe, I should say. Yeah. But we had growls that night. We've had that beautiful whoop that night. Yes. Biking the walking, and that was all coming from the pheromone area. So, did it hurt it? Absolutely not. Did it help? That remains to be seen, but we, you know, we've tried out so many different ideas this year, and I've got a list of ideas to try out this year, and uh, and I think that's what it's going to take with 
to get good evidence, people are going to have to think in the box and outside the box. And I always tell people in the box is simply what we already know. You know, Bigfoot's a wild animal. We know bait works. We know pheromones work. You know, they're, they're by water resources when it's hot. And so we know we're in the box stuff, but when you start using orbs, you know, imitation orbs, uh, different things uh, that's coming up, but you know what I'm talking about, things that are coming up uh, yeah. with the decoys, which is going to be epic. Nobody else that I know has got a six foot Bigfoot decoy. Uh, well, they'll see it. They'll say go into any more detail, but and with the pheromone on it, if this if this comes together, I'll have uh, some really good pheromones. Uh, so yeah, there's some things that you know you gotta keep upgrading your research. Years ago, I had a great resource, and it was the Columbus Zoo, and I had oh, made a wow. deal with the zookeeper via a bottle of scotch, and I would take him a bottle of scotch, and he would meet me at the back gate, and he would hand me the brown paper bag of gorilla droppings or the oh, chimp man. straw and all that, but the oh. problem is that that system went away because now everything it like inside their cages you can rake it through this shaker which goes down to a conveyor belt and then it all just dumps it so they you can't you don't know which is which you don't know if you're getting giraffe or gorilla or uh, a cheetah you, you have no idea what what but when they used to actually clean the the habitats, I used to have a guy at the Columbus Zoo for a bottle of scotch would meet me at the back gate with a big, and I mean a big bag, of the straw that was urinated on, the feces, and yeah, that was a great deal back then. Yeah, it so sounds like it, yeah. So, so with what we're going to be doing this year with the different tactics and things that uh, I think are really going to be awesome. It's going to be some, we've already done some things last yeah. year that nobody else has been doing or seeing. And it's been working for some things not, but some has. And I think yes. that's what people need to do is get together and say, hey, let's try this and see if it works. And if it don't, Maybe you're in the wrong place, you know. Maybe your idea is going to work if you got Bigfoot in that that part of the woods that night. You know, it's like they will say: ninety percent of the fish are in ten percent of the lake. Well, you got to be in that ten percent. Yes, and that's one of the keys that we are figuring out, as you well know, is patterning. You know, patterning Bigfoot movement throughout Coshocton County. Yes. Um, you come up with a key point. Uh, I'll let you go into it uh, about connecting Salt Fork all the way to Wood Woodbury. Okay, I don't so know how much you want to go in detail about that, but that was really great. 
I'm go, I'm go a, a good little bit for people. Okay, so what it was is I started looking at the public lands in Ohio, just the maps. And I realized that Woodbury at the closest point is only like a mile and a quarter from AEP. And that AEP touched, actually touched Tri-Valley. And that, it, and that a lot of these areas... Uh, like we were at Wills Creek and there was a place where we parked or we were just going down the road and I hit it on the GPS. Now we were by car 40 minutes, but we were only 12 miles from Salt Fork. So still at Wills Creek. <laughs> yeah. So we're at Wills Creek and we're 12 miles from Salt Fork. Um, but then the creeks came into play because it's like, oh, well, I followed this waterway. I followed this waterway. I and what I found is that Woodbury and Salt Fork are connected by the creeks, the exact same waterways and creeks that flow at Salt Fork are at Woodbury. So yeah. the, you could pee in Woodbury, and it would end up in Salt Fork Lake. Yeah, yeah who would have thought? That was... But the, the fact that, yeah, the fact that we were at Wills Creek and only 12 miles from Salt Fork just blew my mind because I'm like, yeah. it's like a 40-minute a drive from here. How are we only 12? But as the crow flies or as the squatch walks, 12 miles. So, yeah, that was which is nothing. Yeah, and I tell people if you got a research area that's say fifty thousand acres, we'll just say that you can't research the whole thing, and you're not going to pattern a Bigfoot in fifty thousand acres. You can, but it's going to be years and years and years. It's going to take you a minute. Yeah. I try to tell people to get into a good area on on the topography map that's got water, food, food, shelter, water, and cover. Yeah. And I, everybody knows what food sources are. You know, if you if you study Bigfoot much at all, you can pretty much know what they what they're going to main staple of their food is. You know, you hear reports of deer, cactus, skunkweed, berries. Uh, mm. But Berries, this year, yeah. this year is going to be different, though, on food source, because yeah. we have a cicada hatch coming. Oh yeah, yeah. So True. the it's either going to be great and work in our favor, or it's going to be a whole lot less active because they're going to have to move a whole lot less when those cicadas emerge, because there's going to be food. Everywhere now, yeah, things would be crazy now. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a pain in the butt for audio recording, but and it'll last about a month. But that's called in the hunting world, it's called a mass, and the mast is. The food source, your mast is your acorns. Your acorns mast is how many acorns were produced that year. 
Well, when there's a mast year of a boost of anything, particularly cicadas, this fall, squirrels are going to look like footballs with tails. Fish are going to be as big as round as barrels. You're going to have bluegill with pot bellies. Um, so this year could come back to... It's either going to, A, work in our favor so phenomenally, even though we'll have audio issues, or B, it's going to kick us, and we're going to have to think. So, yeah, yeah, because we have the 17-year hatch and the other, so we have two hatches happening this year. It's a double hatch, both happening at the emergence, oh, happening at the exact, it's a super emergence. So we could be screwed or it's going to be the most epic year ever. We don't know yet. Yeah. We'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <clears throat> but yeah, like it's, it's. I tell people if you're new into research, just pick a little area of that fifty thousand acres, five thousand acres, like Mohegan's, like fifty two hundred acres, something like that. You know, just pick an area that's got water, food, shelter, water, and cover, and you know, research that area. Or once, once every month, and try to find evidence, and maybe they're just passing through. And as me and Mike was talking, imagine if you lived out west and you had millions of acres. <sighs> <laughs> where would you go you know there's ponds lakes rivers everywhere so you gotta yeah you, know, you gotta do some recon it's just and that's what we do like with woodbury twenty thousand acres we've reconned so much of it you know we've sort of ruled out what's good and what's not you know and yeah what's happening forces or they're they're so forth but yep it's going to take some boots on the ground. So, yeah, and there's little things you can do here and there. Like, I used to sit out when I had time, when I was in the younger days of Bigfooting, I used to set out grids of audio recorders. And then they were in waterproof boxes and they would sit in the woods for a week and then I'd go collect them. And then for the next two weeks, I'd listen to them. But if there was a recording, all those recorders were marked with the, the GPS coordinates of where I put them. So if that recorder hit, that was my starting area. That was my pin. That was my first pin that started the outward spiral. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that method. So you could sort of be patterning for what time, time of year and area. So yeah. Yeah. It, it took a lot of recorders, but it doesn't have to. You, you can just take, let's say, go to Goodwill, get three, four, five, or even Amazon. You can get an audio recorder for 20 bucks. So spend $60, get three recorders, put one on this ridge, go a mile, put one on this ridge, go a mile, stop on the side of the road, put one on this ridge, and go home. You, you don't have to put a lot. You can get a lot of recorders and put a lot of effort into it like I did, or you can just get one, two, three recorders, throw them out different places, and just start moving them around based on... Mm -hmm 
if nothing hit this recorder, okay, so I'm going to move this one over here. This one had a noise on it. I'm going to put it back to see if I get another noise. And, yeah, just work off of that center. Whatever one hits, that's your center pin. So. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a good strategy. So. <clears throat> You know, Mike, I don't have anything else for the night unless you do, buddy. Um, no, I've got nothing. Yeah, I'm about I'm about whooped that <laughs> David today. He took us on a 20-mile hike, it seemed like, and the air was heavy today, fellas. So I ain't oh. kidding you. The air was heavy. Yeah, Rough we were choking. We were coughing. We were hacking. There was like a haze out, but I just for the first time ever in the woods, I couldn't breathe. I thought I was having an asthma attack. So yeah, that was terrible today. Yeah, same way. Well, all right, then we'll wrap this one up, and um, yeah, we will keep y'all informed as our year goes on. Um, of course, this isn't our last podcast. We'll be back. Um, with some other episodes, especially once things start progressing with this year, keep you in touch on, I know how tater hikes go. Yeah, Tara, she did have an asthma attack on a tater hike. <laughs> yeah. First time I met her and I go out with tater and Tara goes and she has, and this is Tater's first time ever, that we're all meeting together for the first time. And Tater takes us up this hill and up this next hill and up this hill and up. The, and this poor girl has an asthma attack in the middle of the woods. Oh, so wow. it's like, there's a horse trail down here. And I'm going to be nice. And we're going to take the, so Tater goes this way to go get the car while we head for the marina so that he can drive around because it, this poor girl is dying in the woods. And it's like, you know what? We'll move at your pace. We'll stop as often as you got to stop. We'll make our way out of here. Whatever you need, let's just take it easy and. That's exactly what we did, but yeah, it, Tater gave Tara a asthma, terror an asthma attack. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that was good times, good times, fun memories. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tara would probably disagree. <laughs> nah, I'm... I'm I'm pretty sure she would. I'm, I'm pretty sure she yeah. would. She was literally not a happy camper. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I will see you tomorrow, buddy, at some point. All righty. Probably, probably around 8, 8.30. I'll send you a message. Sounds good. I, I got your sweatshirt and everything in my car, too. So you left your camo oh, hoodie in there. So, but we oh, will see. All right, buddy. Sounds get good. That button. We will see you all later. Good night. All right. All right.